refreshed here this morning. I uh, hope you're energized. I hope you took advantage. I'm feeling energized and refreshed, uh, mainly because I'm here with you guys here this morning. I'm grateful for the opportunities I get to be with the 9 o'clock service here with our Dallas County brothers and sisters. We're going to have a great time. We're having a great time. We're so grateful for the worship, the way it helps minister to our hearts to connect and draw near uh, to God. Grateful for the campus ministry. They're returning from their uh, campus retreat entitled, I, I Tell You the Truth. You know, I was just stuck on that. I was like, wow, that's so cool. I tell you the truth. And when you, when you think about Jesus leading off with those words, you know, I tell you the truth, you know that what's to follow is anything but fake, you know, anything but not truth, right? It is totally the truth. It is real. And another word for real is authentic. So today's uh, lesson, yes, I've entitled it, I entitled it Authentic. Okay. So we'll be talking about that here this morning. Uh, you know, Halloween was last week. And, uh, you know, took our, our little sons out trick-or-treating and uh, things like that. But how did you do with what's real and what's not? Because you know a lot happens that day, right? So what's real and what's not? Let me show you a little video here talking about what I'm talking about. You know, you see the shoppers there, they're so convinced that they see this uh, scarecrow prop. There's no way there could be this human dressed up as a scarecrow. Uh, and so they casually walk by him uh, only to discover the truth in a frightening way, right? As long as it looks real, then it's just, it's real, right? Then, then we're okay with it. And, uh, you know, I had this little picture here, authentic, authentic fake. Because, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to spot out what's fake. What's a counterfeit? What's a, a cheap imitation? Sometimes it's easier than others. Look at this picture here. All right, so, you know, you got Sharpie pens. I'm sure you've used these before. But uh, clearly one of them is not spelled correctly. Okay? And therefore is not the real deal. How about this picture? Okay, so there's a man with uh, many tattoos on his face. Let's go to the second one. Same person, just two different pictures. Obviously, one of them is photoshopped. And you might have thought that, you know, the one with tattoos is photoshopped, but actually someone photoshopped him without tattoos. Looks a lot different, right? Some of us were like, what, what? I thought it was the other way around. It's hard sometimes to spot what's true and what's not. Right. You know, one of the jobs I had prior to uh, becoming a minister was working for a, a jewelry company uh, in the marketing department. I was an assistant to the marketing director, uh, assistant to. Uh, marketing, uh, you know, was uh, my job, and 
that's what we did. And, uh, and so, you know, in marketing, you know, people want their product uh, to be seen as authentic, yeah. right? They don't want their product, they want their product to uh, uh, seem authentic. They actually don't want it to be as uh, true to itself. Uh, and like when we talk about a person, uh, we want our product, right, to be accepted, and so we want it to have the ex- uh, appearance of authenticity. And so, uh, you know, when we think about it that way, I-, I want us to think about our Christianity this morning. I want us to think about our religion, what we believe in, okay? If it was a product and we were, we were holding out this product to people, we would want people to think it's authentic, And when I first came to church, you know, when I first came to know this church, I had a decision to make. Are the people's faith here, is the Christianity and the faith authentic or not? You know, but what do we use to determine that? What do we use to determine whether or not something is authentic and real? And so here's some measuring sticks. Here's some things we do that sometimes aren't as reliable. I think of emotional authenticity. Emotional. You know, if we were talking about a person, you might think that this is a real good thing to be emotionally authentic. But when we're talking about a product, man, it's one of the worst things that you can be. And so what is it? Well, emotional authenticity is it's real if it feels real. And it's real if it feels real. You know, maybe this morning, the extra hour you got to sleep, wasn't enough to get you out of bed, and so you got your cup of coffee this morning. And uh, maybe you have your little local shop that you like to go to, and, um, you know, sometimes you're greeted by this hipster brewer. And uh, he looks so dapper, so dapper, so fresh, skinny jeans, beard, tattoos. You know, coffee would only taste so much better. Wearing a fedora. <laughs> but, but, but check this out. This is what the hipster brewer says to us. I studied brewing in an Appalachian log cabin with ingredients I grew myself. I donate 75% of all my profits to help nurse blind squirrels back to health. My Instagram is all film photography. It's self-portraits of me giving back my craft brews to the poor. I even typed this myself on my vintage typewriter. Okay, now you're a legit, uh, you know, hipster if you're like writing your own thought bubble on a, on a typewriter, right? You can't get more hipster than that. And, and we hear this, and we're like, man, this guy, these guys right here, I mean, they're authentic, right? They are the real deal. The coffee can taste like dirt, vanilla cream, but as long as the guy presenting it seems authentic, then it's real. You know, and we do this all the time. The result's a little shoddy, but man, the guy, the guy who presented it to me, man, he's down to earth, he's real. You know, careful, you're not buying into something that's poor quality. Because we just like the person who's presenting it to us. You know, and that gets into the trust of man. Putting our faith in man. And it also gets to our deceitfulness. In our core, at our nature, our hearts are deceived. 
They're deceitful. The Bible tells us so. Jeremiah 17, verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wasteland. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the, of the desert in a salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. Does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to award each person according to their conduct, according to what their deeds deserve. You know, we have to be very careful we're not attracted to something just because of the person saying that this is the way it should be. We have to look at ourselves. We have to look and accept our heart's deceitfulness. And again, we're examining our faith this morning. We're examining our Christianity. What you believe in as a product. Okay, This is what I believe. This is my Christianity. We have to understand when we put it out there to people, people will accept it based on the relationship they have with you and I. But we can't let it be all that that is. It can't just be that the people who brought me and helped me to come and, and, and worship and connect with God be the only reason why I put my faith in, 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 uh, in Christianity because of the people, because of what they have done. Because the reality is we got to put our faith in something solid. Because guess what? We're going to mess up. We're going to fall. We're going to fall short of being that example, of being that perfect example. Now, don't get me wrong. We have to strive for it. You and I, we continue to be uh, representatives of God by showing him repentance, by showing we can model repentance. But perfection, Jesus has done that already for us. Amen? But if we're talking about this idea of, of religion and Christianity, we also have to realize that at times, you know, when we're deceiving ourselves about something, we have to realize that our hearts can go that way. When we're trusting in people and not in God and, and everything we're building on is just opinions that change, lies that just produce, uh, you know, that don't produce truth in our lives, then that's shaky ground. That's faulty foundation. Our heart is very deceitful at the core. We have to be extremely careful not to be so enticed by what we see in thinking that it's real. You know, that leads me to my next point here, that our faith, uh, you know, relatively here, or relative authenticity means it's real. Use your mic here. All right, relative authenticity is my next point. It says that it's real if it looks real on the outside. It's real if it looks real on the outside. And this can be very, very dangerous. Let's, let's go ahead and watch this video here.
What is this? Happy holidays, Dwight. But do not open it till Christmas. You're so pathetic. How long did this take you? Three hours? Five minutes, actually. I am a black belt in gift wrapping. Yeah, no such thing. They don't give out black belts for things that are stupid. Well, I hope it was worth it, because I'm going to take it apart in about five minutes. I think I'll take it a little bit longer than that. Really? If I can skin a mule deer in less than ten minutes, I ought to be able to cut my... because I just showed a clip from The Office or I'm despised right now because I just showed one referencing Christmas and it's just way too early to be talking about Christmas. And so uh, I apologize. Um, I'm a preacher. I understand. I can't please everyone. And I'm okay with that. But for the sake of the point, right, Dwight, Dwight comes and he's played this prank on him. And he puts his stuff down. He thinks it's a desk. He thinks it's a chair. You know, the reality is we can never had a we can never have a kind of faith that only looks good from the outside. We can never have a faith that doesn't hold up to scrutiny. That's looked at. That's investigated. That's questioned. You know, if we want our belief system, we want our Christianity, our faith, our walk with God to be something we just polish and put it on the shelf, and there, there it is, you know, look at it from afar, from a distance. I'm a, I'm a Christian, and people want to come close to it. People want to investigate. People want to touch it. People want to, and you're like, hey, just don't, don't touch it. Don't touch it. Just leave it right there. Because we're afraid that it might come crumbling down. You know, we're in a lot of trouble if that's the kind of religion you want. This is what Jesus slammed the Pharisees for. Matthew 23, verse 25. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but the inside, they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside will also be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Wow. You know, put this verse right here on top of the list of things that I don't want Jesus to say to me. But it's easy. It's easy. It's easy to polish something and set it up. This is what I believe. Don't pull it down. Don't inspect it. Don't question it. It's cool where it is. Don't touch it. And that is where we can go with our faith. You know, in the older, dare, dare I say, wiser and older we get, Sometimes even in our own eyes, we, we just start to learn how to fake it a little bit. We start to learn how to put an image out there for people. 
We put on a mask, and it's, and it's very easy to put on a mask back on time and time again. We start polishing the exterior. How many of us are more like whitewashed tombs than just being honest, just being real, authentic? You know, you wouldn't be alone. Acts 5, chapter uh, 5, verse 1. We find this interesting story. I'm going to preface it right now. It is interesting. But in verse 1, now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept it for yourself, some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? You know, what made you think of doing such a thing? You've not just lied to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died. And great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped his body, carried him out, and buried him. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And so now Peter asks her, "Uh, tell me, is this the price that you and Ananias got for the land? She had a choice to make. And she said, yes. That's the price. Peter said to her, how could you conspire to test the spirit of the Lord? Listen, the men, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door and they will also carry you out. At that moment, she fell down his feet and died. Then the young man came in, finding her body, carried her out. Buried her outside with her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. I told you this story was interesting, right? God killed some people that did something he wasn't happy with. They sold some property, brought the money, said this is what we got from the cell. Here you go. I have good intentions to build up. Use it for the church. But they were dishonest. They didn't say we got more than this. They just, they just said this is what we're giving. This is what it is. Now we have to think about this. Okay, were they punished because of greed? I don't think God wanted their money. I think it's, it's not about the money. But when you, when you study this out and you think about, wow, he didn't do this before. He didn't do this after. You know, he, he only did this one time. And this one time comes in this very interesting moment in history of the church. Where the most important thing for them as they are starting this movement is that they are authentic. You don't get to come here and pretend to be something that you're not. That's what the Pharisees did. Jesus just got done being so harsh and real with the Pharisees who on the outside looked so religious, 
Like they had it all together, like they seemed so righteous, but in the inside, it told a different story. And so now Jesus is gone, and we're going to proclaim his message, his gospel. And that message is, you got to be authentic. This has got to be real. You can't come here and pretend to be someone you're not. And that was their sin. They were trying to look more spiritual than they really were. We sold our whole property. This is the money. But they kept some. <laughs> you know, how different would it have been, you know? You know, here, here, we sold it, and uh, we want to give you 80% of our money. Here you go. I think it would have been a different story. Now, it doesn't justify. It doesn't mean their heart is right in it. But, boy, it's honest. You know, and in our sin, guys, we got to be honest. It's okay. It's better to be honest. Man, it doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. It's not going to sound good. But you know what? It's honest. And it's real. And God can work with that. What he can't work with is when we're pretending to be something we're not. You know, we have to be careful we don't fall in the same exact trap of finding ways to look more spiritual than we really, really are. Now with Ananias and Sapphira, they they sold everything. They said they gave it all, but they kept some. What is it for you? What masks do you put on? You know, I think it was last year, you know, a few teens and I decided to crash the campus costume party. And uh, the only way to go unnoticed was to wear a mask. So I uh, took out my werewolf mask from the closet, and one by one, we walked into this building unnoticed. We blended in. It lasted some time. I mean, I was hugging and saying high fives to, to all the campus students, friends of mine. I mean, I was arm in arm with Vince Pierce at the time, jumping up and down. He's just like, all right, this guy's really excited to be here. He had no idea it was me. However... It was incredibly exhausting. <laughs> you know, staying in character with the mask I decided to put on, it meant avoiding questions that could potentially give me away. It meant avoiding certain people, right, who know me very well and can, and can sniff me out. <laughs> Maybe literally. <laughs> because the last thing I wanted someone to do was unmask me. And be like, oh, it's just you, Will. Oh, it's just you. Because I was having so much fun pretending to be the big bad wolf. But you know, spiritually speaking, guys, spiritually, we do this all the time. We wear masks, and it's not even October 31st. And we wear them all the time. It's a defense mechanism for, for me feeling unspiritual. I got to put on this mask. I just feel unspiritual. I got to pretend. And we're willing. That's that's the sad part. We're willing to exhaust ourselves. We're willing to go through the facade, putting on and taking off, becoming less of what God has created us to be. And sometimes it's out of fear of showing just our true selves, showing who we really are because we're afraid that others would say, oh, it's just you. And like somehow that's, there's something wrong with that. There's something wrong with just you being you. 
when you're on mountaintop moments and you're, you're sky high with God. And there's times where you're just down begging and crying out to God and are hanging on. Like, like there's something wrong with being ourselves. You know, what is the way you've learned to look more spiritual than you really are? You know, maybe it's a fellowship voice. Maybe you've constructed this voice. You're like, you know, hey, how's it going, bro? Oh, man, hey, I'm good, man. How about you? Oh, I'm great. Things are good. Now, I'm not bashing those of us who say things are good. Things are great when things are. But when you're saying things are, and, and, you know, when they're not, then we're putting on a mask. We're putting on a mask. Lengthy prayers. And we're saying a lot, but we're not saying much. We look concerned. You're like, man, I'll, I'll pray for you. And then we don't go and pray. We haven't prayed for people in a long time. We bounce responsibility off us. Now, hey, didn't you know about this event? Hey, didn't you know about this or that? No, no, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't know about it. Oh, I didn't get the text. No, I didn't get the email. When you did. When you read it. You saw it. You ignored it. Right? You know, we say things again to, to appear to be spiritual. But, you know, masks, masks, they make us shallow. They make shallow what God had intended to be deep. It's incredibly exhausting. So let's, let's remove the masks. Let's be freed of that. Let's go ahead and do that. You know, I'm excited that later today, Blaze Ferguson has decided to make Jesus Lord of his life. He's going to be baptized. One of, uh, one of our awesome teens there at Heritage High School, and he's just decided to, to remove the mask, to totally let go of the mask and stay true to who God encouraged him to be. You know who didn't wear masks and stay true to his name? The son of encouragement, Barnabas. Barnabas, in the same token in the book of Acts, Barnabas as well sold his possessions. In, in Acts 4, 37, Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. You know, and rather than hoarding the, the possessions or holding on to things, he sold the field that they owned and he gave the money he received to the apostles. When he entrusted in Jesus, he freely donated the proceeds from the sale of the property to meet the needs of others. And, uh, you know, you, you continue uh, looking on in Barnabas' example. He was willing to associate with Saul, who would later become Paul after his conversion. In Acts 9, we read, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. This is uh, Saul. Not believing that he was really a disciple. Again, he went from a murderer of Christians to now making Christians, right? So you can imagine why the disciples were hesitant about, is this guy real or not? All right? Is he the real deal or just an imposter? But in verse 27, but Barnabas, man, Barnabas, he encouraged them. He took them. He brought them to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. You know, this is Barnabas, son of encouragement. Is he encouraging? Yes. Encouraging Saul. Takes some, testifies for him. He was highly respected by the disciples there in Jerusalem. And so they accepted what, they, what he said about 
Saul. You know, when we're fake, when we're not real, our credibility is on the line. It really, really is. You know, it's so cool. I just got to share this quick story about my, 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 uh, my wife, and has been uh, praying and reaching out to her sister. And she just went to L.A. and, uh, and uh, decided to ask her sister to go to church. Come to find out, this one region meets at a different location now. And that location is where uh, my sister-in-law's uh, a school meets at. Okay, their auditorium meets at my sister-in-law's school, which she's a principal at. And so she goes to the school, she goes to church, all right, and she's meeting people and all of that. It's just an incredible time. One of the disciples comes over, meets her, meets Addie, my wife, and tells her, hey, uh, you work at this school. Yeah, I'm the principal here. Hey, there's a disciple who works here. Do you know so-and-so? You know what my sister-in-law said? I just hired her. A disciple works. She's a teacher at my sister-in-law's high school. And, uh, you know, it's really funny, though. You know, it's like, hey, you know, do you know her? Do you, you, know, like, you know what? Afterwards, she was like, yeah, I do know her, actually. She's invited me out to church a lot. I've just never really gone. I didn't know it was your church. You know, truth comes out, you know. And, uh, and so it's just amazing, right? Her credibility was on the line. Her sister, my, my sister-in-law told, told us, She's one of my best teachers. How different the story could have been, though. Nah, oh, her? Ooh, (laughs) right? (laughs) So, amen. (laughs) Here's my encouragement to us. If we're going to take off the mask we wear, we must know the mask that we first put on. All right, we're all somewhere in this, right? We're polishing our masks, we're finding out. Uh, we're finding that old mask that's worked before. We're like, oh, we like that one. We're finding new masks to, to put on. We're being risky. We're putting the mask on, sometimes mask over mask over mask. So because our hearts are deceitful and we ought to not put our faith in people, how are we going to find out? You know, how are we going to figure out our masks? Well, the answer is the Bible. The Bible, the truth. And everything we do has to be based on the Bible. And people who want to follow the Bible. Now, I've noticed that sometimes we get indignant about other people's masks than our own. You know, if I had just approach someone and just say, oh, man, you, dude, you're so fake, man. You're not real. That's shallow, man. I know you're just saying that because you don't want to go deep. You're just, you're sharing is shallow. You're not really open. You're not really vulnerable. Okay, so, so if I just do that to someone, is that helpful? No, right? Uh, you know, it's just easy to do that. It's easy to throw it out there. But where's the concern? You know, where's the, the compassion? Where's the love? Where's the scripture? Where's the drawing out of the heart from God's word? This is God's word. This is your life and what it says about it. Do you have people in your life to help you see your mess? You know, but we also need to be able, uh, not be afraid to ask people, hey, what are some of the masks you see me wearing? What, what, what masks do I just tend to put on for one reason or another, whether consciously, subconsciously? I'm just, there's, there's just times, there's masks, and I don't want them in my life. Hopefully you're asking people who love you, who, tr- who you trust, and who know the word of God. So as they're speaking to you, they're not speaking opinions, They're not speaking their own thoughts 
But the word of God, they're not just making crazy stuff up here. They're speaking the words of God. Relative authenticity. It has the appearance of spirituality at a distance. But just don't pick it up. Don't handle it. But you might just break it. You know, then there's pure authenticity. As we bring this in for a landing, this is what we need. It's got to be real. And it's real if it's built real. It's not real because it's real from afar. It's not real because you can, you can pick it up and, and look at it. But it's real because it's been tested. How it was built has been tested and tried true. You know, opposite of the video we saw. If Dwight had only investigated a little more and only touched it, he would have saw, man, there's no desk. There's no chair. Imagine a pure, authentic chair, a pure, authentic desk. Real, pure materials gathered for a job. Sides are accurately measured and cut. It's then assembled, connected, inserted, and carefully and properly, uh, uh, you know, with proper precision. The surface is sanded down and even stained. I mean, you know, Dennis Gates is getting fired up about that, you know. Wow, there's no cutting corners. It's not a counterfeit. It's just pure, authentic. And James had to say something about our religion. He says there's a pure form of it. Pure and faultless. Pure and faultless. That would also mean that the other side of the coin is that, man, it's also, it can also be impure and worthless form of Christianity. So James 1, verse 26 those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. You know, this is a form. There, there is a form of our faith that God accepts as pure, as faultless. And sometimes we can argue the details, right? We look at this and we go, we get critical. We're like, man, are we doing this? Who's doing this? Are you doing this? We need to be doing this more. So let me just ask, ask you and ask yourself here, okay? Are we taking care of the widows, the orphans? We have some in our church. Do you know their name? You know, secondly, are you taking care of them? And, you know, under the category of orphans, I would put in their children of single-parent homes. You know, I've worked in orphanages in, in, in Jamaica, in Mexico, and where many of the kids are orphans. And, and they're orphans not because their parents are, 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 are physically dead, but because their parents couldn't take care of them and they've been abandoned. You know, I'm grateful for our, our, our sister, you know, taking on this orphanage toy drive. To be able to give. But we need to take that seriously. But we also need to take seriously the other half of the scripture. Is that what are we doing to keep from becoming polluted by the world? In other words, the world is trying to pollute us. Are you convinced of that this morning? That the world is trying to pollute us? I don't know. You got to ask yourself that. Ask yourself if your lifestyle matches that. You gotta ask yourself, your social media posts match that. 
your friendships, your relationships, your ambitions in life match that? Your conduct, does it match that? Our faith is worthless if we're not striving for holiness. Man, we got we to gotta get as, way, as far away as we can from the fire, from the line. I'm not trying to get close to it without being burned, without becoming like the world, but we still want to be accepted by it. We got to be so okay with saying, man, I am trying to get as far removed from it. Not from the people, not from the opportunities to engage this hurting world. But man, how I live my life will be based on something radically different. And so we got to strive for holiness. There's effort, there's work. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you, brothers and sisters, keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you have received from us. You know, this is a warning to this church here against becoming idle. People he was talking to, some of them were just waiting for Jesus to come back. They were like, man, we quit our jobs, and we're just going to hang out here and wait until Jesus returns. And then they go hungry, and so they go to the church, and they're hungry because they don't have work, because they're all waiting for Jesus to come back. And so the, the passage is about, okay, hey, let, let's stop this, okay? You got to quit leaning on the church for everything. You got to work, a job, get some money, so you're able to then buy some food. But how does he convince them of that? Does he just tell them you're lazy? Does he just tell them, like, get up off your butt behind? Come on. No. He says, follow my example. He says, go back to the beginning of their faith, and he reminds them how their faith was built. Follow my example as I follow Christ. And this is super important because in our lives, we will have times when we're going to need to go back and be reminded of how our faith was built. Man, I'm struggling right now. This sin right now is just overpowering me. My world is coming down. I'm, I'm even tempted to just quit and not go on. You got to go back. You got to remember. Remember how your faith was tested, uh, built on. It's going to be tested, but it was built on God. That means we have to continue to build authentically. We can't listen to these lies. We can't listen to what God throws out at us. Keep our minds from being polluted. Trust in the pure way that your faith was built. That means we have to build authentically. That means as we build with people, their lives will be tested. Remember, go back. Go back to how we built our faith. And the example I set for you was the message he was leaving this church. Today, brothers and sisters, we need to make sure we are building authentically. For the sake of our lives and our own walks with God, and for the future of the church, and for the sake of those who are seeking something real. When everything else has let them down, when the world is just over and over again, not coming through with empty promises, God can be true. God can be what they're longing for, an authentic relationship 
with him. So we got to go back. We got to go back to how our faith was built. And maybe you're here and you're like, I'm not sure where my faith is at in Christianity, in God, in Jesus. I'm not even asking you to totally believe what I just said right now. But I am asking you that if you're willing, what we're going to do is we're going to take you back to the scriptures. We're going to take you to the Bible. Help you build your faith from the Bible up. That's the way it should be. And for us who've been around a little bit, and we've been good at, or we've learned how to put the facades and the masks on, let's take them off. Let's get real. Let's get authentic. God wants to work through that. Wherever we're at right now, he wants to take us to another direction, another level with our relationship with him. And let's always make sure to remind ourselves of the purity on which our relationship with him was built on. Love you guys. Thank you.